0: That was beautiful, just beautiful. turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to the Gospel of John, chapter 19. We're going through John, of course, uh, verse by verse. We come to chapter 19. In chapter 18, we had the arrest and the beginning of the trials. In this first section of chapter 19, that... uh, uh, that subject continues the trials of Christ um, and so this is actually the th- the third message on the the trials and uh, we'll make it down through verse 16 Lord willing and uh, this is again this is that tremendous passage three chapters that are the really the centerpiece of human history and the pinnacle of the Holy Scripture. And uh, it's the suffering, the crucifixion, and the resurrection. What we have in front of us today is not a pleasant or feel-good passage unless we look at it with eyes beyond the historical event and see the doctrinal importance what it means to us right now the suffering of of Christ well let's read one verse verse 1 of chapter 19 keep your Bibles open then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him father thank you for our time in the word today thank you for the beautiful singing And may your word be profitable to us now. Speak to us, teach us, encourage us. As the song says, as we behold the wondrous cross, bring its scenes before us, the suffering and the love that comes from these chapters. Speak to us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Now, last week was the 4th of July, and so instead of showing the video clip of our text that we've been doing. I had a a video more fitting for the 4th of July. And so I'm going to start today with a three-minute video of what we covered last week. But I want to remind you, if you have your Bibles right there in front of you, look at verse 28. That's where this video will begin. That's where our study began last week. Then led they... Jesus from Caiaphas under the Hall of Judgment. Now they're taking him from the Jewish uh, trials to the Gentile trials or the Roman trials. And Pilate is in charge. So They take him to Pilate's dwelling place there in Jerusalem. And then the last verse that it will cover in verse 40. Notice verse 40. Then cried they all again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Who are you going to release? Not this man, not the king of the Jews, but Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a robber. And again, Luke tells us he was also a murderer. So here's that passage, three minutes long. Again, we we want to be reminded these things really happened. These were real people. These are real events in history and in time. So let's watch this first little clip.
1: early in the morning Jesus was taken from Caiaphas house to the governor's palace the Jewish authorities did not go inside the palace for they wanted to keep themselves ritually clean in order to be able to eat the Passover meal so Pilate went outside to them and asked
2: what do you accuse this man of we would not have brought him to you if he had not committed a crime then you yourselves take him and try him according to your own law we are not allowed to put anyone to death
1: this happened in order to make come true what jesus had said when he indicated the kind of death he would die Pilate went back into the palace and call Jesus.
2: Are you the king of the Jews?
3: Does this question come from you? Or have others told you about me?
2: Do you think I'm a Jew? It was your own people and the chief priests who handed you over to me. What have you done?
3: My kingdom does not belong to this world. If my kingdom belonged to this world, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish authorities. No, my kingdom does not belong here. Are you a king then? You say that I am a king. I was born and came into the world for this one purpose To speak about the truth Whoever belongs to the truth listens to me (sighs) And what is truth?
1: Then Pilate went back outside to the people said to them
2: I cannot find any reason to condemn him but according to the custom you have I always set free a prisoner for you during the Passover do you want me to set free for you the king of the Jews they answered him with a shout Give us, it
1: was, Barras! 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 was abandoned. Barras!
0: Barras! 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 Wow, what a scene. What a scene. I think Jesus. His demeanor, his very presence spoke to Pilate. And we'll see as this study goes on a little further, Pilate really wanted to turn Jesus free, turn him loose, set him free. Now that brought us up to verse 40 of chapter 18. Look again now at verse 19, verse 1 of 19. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him... And the soldiers planted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put a purple uh, uh, put on him a purple robe, and said, "Hail, King of the Jews!" And they smote him with their hands. They hit him with their fists. They beat him with their fist. Would be a proper translation of those words there in verse three. So here we have. Physical abuse of the Lord Jesus. Now when you look at all the Gospels together. Look back at your screen. Here's some of the suffering that takes place before the cross. Jesus was struck uh, in the face before uh, Annas. You remember we, that, that was in John's text uh, and two weeks ago. And then he was sped upon and beaten before Caiaphas. Uh, and the council. Let me read to you just a few of the, uh, the wording in that, uh, in that chapter. They spit in his face and they struck him with their fist and some struck him with the palms of their hand and mockingly, after putting a robe on over his eyes, mockingly they said, if you're a prophet, prophesy to us who struck you tell us who struck you this was an abuse from the Jewish officials and the Jewish soldiers uh, we, we would consider them more like police officers temple police and they abused him and beat him and then uh, the passage we just read Pilate had him scourged and the soldiers beat him the scourging was by far the most devastating we'll come back to that in just a second but one more time now after he's sentenced according to Mark before they lead him to Calvary the soldiers mock him again and beat him with their fists and with a rod or with a stick And so Jesus suffered even before going to the cross. Again, we see here the great sinfulness of mankind. How could they do? How could they be so cruel, so evil, so wicked? But we also see the great love of God. Jesus was going to the cross for you and for me. He was suffering that pain and agony for me and for you. Yes. And so uh, we have these four places at least. The word spit takes place four times in the Gospels referring to them spitting in Jesus' face. One reference describes it as covering his face. They mocked him. They laughed at him. They beat him on these several occasions. Now, coming back to our text, verse 1, the scourging was much worse than the beatings. We would assume, at least historically, that would be true. I've described this scourging many times over the years. I came across a little short description by a a scholar, and listen to the way he puts it. Scourging was a horribly cruel act in which the victim was stripped, tied to a post, and beaten by several torturers. Not just one, but several. Soldiers alternated when they were exhausted. In other words, they would beat someone until they couldn't swing the whip any longer, and another soldier would alternate in. For victims who were not Roman citizens, the preferred instrument was a short, uh, uh, a short wooden handle, to which leather straps were attached. So you got a wooden handle for the for the soldier to hold. You got wooden stra- uh, straps. Later, that was called the cat of nine tails, and there'd be nine uh, straps. And, and then, and then he points out. Uh, Each leather strap had a piece of bone or metal sharpened on the end. The beatings were so savage that sometimes victims died. The body would be so torn and uh, uh, lacerated to such an extent that muscles, veins, and bones were exposed. They did not beat these prisoners like the Jews could only use 39 strikes. The law said 40, so they always made it 39 so they wouldn't break the law. But not the not the uh, Romans. They would beat a prisoner as long as they wanted to, out of fun and amusement. Even to the point of death. Some historians tell about Roman soldiers who, when they beat their prisoner's skin would come off of the body because of those sharpened razor sharp uh, bone and metal and they would once they jerked it back and jerked the skin off the prisoner they would shake their their uh, cat of nine tails like this and the and the uh, skin would fall to the floor and they would make a sport out of it who could make the biggest pile of skin laying in the floor This is mankind at his worst. This is God's great love for us. Now we know that this scourging caused Jesus' bones to be exposed because in prophetic utterance in Psalm 22 verse 14, Jesus said, My bones stare at me. Jesus could look down and see his ribs, his bones exposed from this terrible beating. Now we're told by the other gospel writers, you remember John's gospel was written about 30 years after the other writers, Matthew, uh, Mark, and Luke. But we're told by the others that Uh, One reason that Pilate had him uh, scourged was because he thought the people might then have some compassion and not crucify Jesus. He was trying to get Jesus freed. And he thought maybe this would satisfy their, their anger, their envy, their lust if he had him scourged. And then verse 2 continues with the crown of thorns. The thorns in Palestine were very long, some of them six inches or longer. Of course, it wouldn't have been put on delicately, probably smashed down on his head and the thorns running between the skin of his head and his um, skull, causing bleeding. And uh, they put on a purple robe, which was the color for... royalty and they mocked him as a king he was doing that for us and then they smote him or they hit him beat him with their hands or their fist you know we sometimes get our feelings hurt by somebody that doesn't treat us exactly like they should and we hold grudges and we're angry and we want to argue and prove our point and all of that Jesus took all of this beating and ridicule and never spoke back. Now when you move on to verse 4, Pilate therefore went forth again and said unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you that you may know I find no fault in him. Now if you're keeping up with how many Yeah, I told you there's three of those. This is, I find no fault number two. Number one was in the last chapter. I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said unto them, Behold the man. Here he is. He's been humiliated. He's been tortured. He's at the point of, of dropping over. Uh, don't you think this is enough? That's the idea that Pilate seems to be giving to the people. Verse 6, when the chief priests, therefore, and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. That's number three, no fault. Herod had said the same. And so his plan didn't work. Instead of feeling compassion and saying, yeah, that's that's enough torture for anybody, they cried out all the more, crucify him. This is being driven, of course, ultimately by Satan, who uh, is the great deceiver and uh, the one who promotes violence. But it's also from the human standpoint it's being promoted by the religious rulers who since chapter 11 wanted to put Jesus to death and they're stirring up the crowd you know people like to instigate a crowd and and get them to do what they want them to do and that's what they were they were doing and the people cried out crucify him the Jews answered him when he said, I find no fault, you take him and crucify him yourself. I don't want anything to do with this. And the Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the son of God. Ah, now comes their envy here. Now, so far they haven't said this to Pilate. So far Pilate, all he knew was he was a criminal, according to the Jews, and he claimed to be a king. And someone claiming to be a king could be a pretty big problem under the Roman rule. But now the truth comes out. You may remember I told you last week the the charge, the official charge from the Sanhedrin, the Jewish council, was blasphemy. But they didn't tell that to to, uh, Pilate when they came to him. They told him he claims to be a king. But now they tell him he also claims to be the son of God. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid. It seems, when you read all the Gospels together, it seems that Pilate had some some idea there was something different about this person. There was just being in his presence, you could sense something different. He was afraid. But now, they say, he claimed to be the Son of God. Now, I don't think Pilate would have seen this title as a title of the Messiah. He probably looked at it through pagan eyes and Roman eyes. And there were many uh, legends and myths about gods and demigods and where the, the, quote, many gods would have relations with, with a woman on earth. The child would be born as half God and half uh, human. And so there was all kinds of myths like that. But he's already noticed something's different about him. And now they say he claims to be the son of God. And now he's, all, he's even more afraid now. Again, we see Jesus is still in charge though he submitted to the Father's will and to these terrible beatings. And so he's more afraid. Also, right in there, in that uh, same time frame, Matthew 27 records for us that Pilate's wife had had a dream about this man, Jesus. Jesus. And she sends message to Pilate, Have nothing to do with this righteous man. And so that stirred up the fear in Pilate as well. And uh, verse 9 says, And went, that is, uh, Pilate, And went again unto the judgment hall, And saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? Or where did you come from? He's trying to... Gathers more information. Where did you come from? And uh, Jesus gave him no answer. Then said Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee, and I have power to release thee? He's saying... You ought to talk to me. It's in your own best interest to talk to me because I'm the one in control. I'm the one in authority. I have authority to crucify you. I have authority to let you go. Jesus said, thou couldst not have no power or authority. The word power there can be translated authority. You'd have no power at all against me except it were given you from above. So he said, you're not really in control. God is in control. And whatever authority you might have down here was granted to you by the sovereign of the universe. Jesus was not impressed with Pilate's self-exaltation. And then he said, He that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. Now, he didn't say Pilate wasn't sinning. He was. But somebody had a greater sin. Who is that person that delivered him? Who could that be? Judas, maybe. Uh, Maybe it would be the devil. Maybe it would be the um, religious leaders or even the Jewish people. But since he used the pronoun he probably was an individual, it probably was Caiaphas. Caiaphas was in charge of the, of the uh, Jewish trial because he was the high priest that year. And he was the one who would make the final decision and take Jesus to Pilate. Why would he have a greater sin? Because he had greater revelation. He knew that the Messiah was supposed to come. He knew that when the Messiah came, he would work miracles. And here was a man in their midst claiming to be the Messiah working miracles that no one could do except God right in front of their eyes. And they still wanted to kill him. So Caiaphas had the greatest sin because he had greater revelation. People in our day who reject Christ have a greater revelation maybe than people in years gone by. The gospel is... Well known, of course, in in America. And then, verse 12, And from thenceforth Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out. Those verb tenses are in, in the present tense indicating continually, both about Pilate and the people. Uh, verse 12 again, and, and from thenceforth Pilate sought, or continually sought, to release him. But the Jews continued to cry out. And they said, if thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Now, they didn't mean a personal friend. That was a common phrase. Somebody who was a good citizen, who was loyal to the emperor, was called uh, the emperor's friend. And they're saying, you will not be a friend of the emperor. Tiberius, by the way, was the emperor at that moment in time Uh, and uh, so they said you're not Caesar's friend whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar when Pilate therefore heard that saying he brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that was called the pavement but in the Hebrew Gabbatha so now he's getting ready to make his pronouncement. They, they bring out the judgment seat. According to historians, that seat would be carried out to a certain place on the pavement. The pavement would be in front of uh, the Antonia uh, Fortress, which is where the Roman soldiers stayed. Uh, and that was inside or on a corner, the northwest corner of the, uh, of the Temple Mound. And the wall going around the temple, this would be in the northwest corner, a big castle, as it's called. And you can still visit it, uh, parts of it today. And, uh, and so they bring out the chair. He sits officially in his chair, and uh, he makes the pronouncement. and then he gives us some a little bit of timing and it was the preparation of the passover in about the 6th hour and he said unto the jews behold your king so he tries one last time to somehow pacify this angry mob and uh, they crowd away with him and crucify him And Pilate said unto them, Shall I crucify your king? And the chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. Wow, how ironic that is because they did not like Caesar. They didn't like being under Roman rule. They would like to have rebelled and gotten out from under Roman rule. But in this case, they pledged their allegiance to Caesar so they could really do anything, tell any lie to have Jesus crucified. Now go back up to 14 for a second because I want to think about this timing. It's Friday, we're told. That is the preparation for the Passover. So this is happening on Friday. And then it says about the sixth hour. Now what time is the sixth hour? If you take just this verse, it could mean uh, two different things. It could mean 6 o'clock in the morning, or it could mean 12 o'clock noon. Here's the reason. The, uh, the Romans counted time from midnight, like we do. You know, it's midnight, then it's 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock. Well, the Romans count counted in that way, like we do today. So it would make it the sixth hour from midnight would be 6 o'clock in the morning. 6 a.m., we would say. But the Jewish time was, uh, was, they started counting their time at 6 o'clock in the morning. That's when they would start to work and so forth. And so if you go by Jewish time, it would make this taking place at 12 o'clock noon. So you have to determine whether it's Jewish time or, or Roman time. Now some translate, you know, literally the words are, it's the sixth hour just like the King James reads, and most translations reads it that way. But some translations not only translate, they interpret a little bit, you know. So some translations say it's 12 o'clock noon. And in our video today, it will say it's 12 o'clock noon. But that really could not be true because of other time references we have. Look up at your screen for a moment. And uh, we'll look at this first one. And it was the third hour, and they crucified him. Now, they crucified him on the third hour. The third hour from in Jewish time would be nine o'clock. So this trial couldn't be taking place at six o'clock if Jesus is on the, cry, on the cross at nine o'clock. And then it, you remember this reference, In Matthew, the other Gospels repeat it too. And that from the sixth hour, there was darkness all over the land until the ninth. Now the sixth hour, the Jewish time, would be 12 o'clock noon. The ninth hour would be 3 o'clock. So Jesus was on the cross from 9 o'clock in the morning till 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So... Taking that in consideration, the text in front of us couldn't mean 12 o'clock noon. That's when he had already been hanging on the cross uh, those three hours, and it became dark. So it has to be that that John is referring to uh, Roman time, so it's 6 o'clock in the morning. So... Uh, it's, I, I, I love what Dr. George Truett used to say. He said, the older I get, the more I realize I need the whole Bible to interpret just one verse. <laughs> it amazes me that some of the translations will use 12 o'clock noon here, and they will also use 12 o'clock noon in Matthew 27. How could you be having a trial and hanging on the cross at the same time? So this happened at 6 o'clock in the morning. We know that they they took Jesus to Caiaphas very early, so maybe 5 o'clock in the morning for Caiaphas. We know those other trials before uh, Annas and maybe Caiaphas personally before they went before the Sanhedrin, those took place during the night. And then the Sanhedrin early first thing in the morning and then Pilate at 6 o'clock in the morning. Uh, the sixth hour which would be 6 a.m. Then Jesus would go to the cross at 9 o'clock. Now what took place in those three hours? We might ask ourselves. Well, we do know that Roman soldiers took Jesus back into the uh, praetorium and they beat him there again with their fists and with their clubs or with their sticks or reeds, rods. They beat him. And then he had to carry his cross through the city and out to Golgotha and then they had to nail him to the cross all of that took a little bit of time plus there may have been certain times in there where they were waiting for those other prisoners to get processed and so forth because there was three prisoners crucified that day so this takes place at six o'clock in the morning you, you might say that's awful early for Pilate to be up making decisions but according to historians the romans officials liked to start their day really really early and then they were through by around 11 or 12 o'clock and through for the rest of the day so these things took place very early now we come to verse 16 pilate sitting on his chair judgment seat and uh, verse 16 then delivered he, that's Pilate, him, that's Jesus. Then delivered he, him, therefore unto them, to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. And we know, as we looked at on that little chart that I put together, that they led him away back into the uh, praetorium and beat him again. And so we see the sinfulness of man and the great love of God Jesus was doing this willingly for us he said I lay down my life for the sheep no man taketh it from me I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it up again now let's watch the clip that covers what we just covered here it's about five minutes long now they they did not show the scourging like they could have. And I think they did it so that the audience, you could have young people see the, in the audience see it as well. So it's not as violent as the actual beating would be. If you wanted to see a real detailed and realistic look, the passion of the Christ uh, detects the beatings and crucifixion in great detail. So let's watch our little clip. It could have happened something like this. Let's watch it. Then
1: Pilate took Jesus and had him whipped. The soldiers made a crown out of thorny branches and put it on his head. Then they put a purple robe on him and came to him and said, Long live the king of the Jews!" And they went up and slapped him Pilate went back out once more and said to the
2: crowd, Look, I will bring him out here to you to let you see that I cannot find any reason to condemn him. Look, here is the man.
1: So Jesus came out. Wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe.
2: Crucify him! Crucify him! Take him then, and crucify him, I find no reason to condemn him. We have a law that says he ought to die, because he claimed to be the Son of God.
1: When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. He went back into the palace, then asked Jesus, Where do you come from? But Jesus did not answer.
2: He will not speak to me. Remember, I have the authority to set you free, and also
3: to have you crucified. You have authority over me. Only because it was given to you by God. So the man who handed me over to you is guilty of a worse sin.
1: When Pilate heard this, he tried to find a way to set Jesus free. If you set him free, that means you are not the emperor's friend.
3: Anyone who claims to be a king is a rebel against the emperor.
1: When Pilate heard these words, he took Jesus outside and sat down in the judge's seat in the place called the Stone Pavement. In Hebrew, the name is Gabatha. Almost noon of the day before the passover pilate said to the people
2: here is your king kill him, kill him. Kill him. Kill him. Me to crucify your king. The only king we have is the emperor. <laughs> then Pilate
1: handed Jesus over to them to be crucified.
0: Jesus stood before Pilate while Pilate sat on his judgment seat or throne one day Pilate will stand before Jesus and it will be the throne of the universe all power the scripture says all all authority power all judgment has been given to Jesus he will judge Pilate one day the scripture says every knee shall bow And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. One day Pilate will fall on his knees and confess that Jesus is Lord, that he is God. But it'll be too late. He could have done it this day. He could have trusted this Lord, this Messiah. While there was still time, but he didn't. Be sure you do. Bow with me, please. With our heads bowed, maybe you'd say, Pastor, I'm not saved or I'm not sure I'm saved. I want you to pray for me. I'm not sure my sins are gone. Would you slip up your hand and let me pray for you? Anyone like that? I'm looking around the room. Hold it up long enough for me to see it, if you would. Anyone? Okay. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. All right. Father, we pray for this one that raised their hand. Help them to come to that place where they know for sure that their sins are gone, washed away in your blood, Lord Jesus. That you are their Savior and their friend. Grant it, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.